1: Welcome to the Be Here Now Network guest podcast. This series features talks from a myriad of modern spiritual teachers expanding on how we can all live a life in balance. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash guest. So in this topic of supporting the conditions, for insight the conditions by which insight can be transformative the third condition is confidence and talking about this sometimes I call it say self-confidence but my preferred way of talking about it is having dharma confidence dharmic confidence and dharmic confidence can come with, such, with a kind of uh, deeply rooted quality that gives it a certain kind of strength. Or another analogy would be it gives it a kind of ballast that no matter how difficult life is and how much we get pushed around by the waves and the wind, the ballast of the boat always helps the boat come upright again. And so confidence is this ballast. And, and it's a ballast that, are, that has one very important function. Has some, many functions, but one of them is, it's, it's a function of helping us keep practicing, keep doing it, and just hold steady. Which is the first of the conditions that I talked about two days ago—that a steadiness, a stability, a constancy, a continuity—and it's not necessarily a, you know, non-stop continuity, but it becomes like the thread that runs through our lives. Really, the idea of practice—it's a uh, that uh, keep practicing. There's a saying that goes something like. Uh, before awakening practice after awakening practice and if uh, that's true then it in some ways it doesn't quite matter whether you're before awakening or after awakening it's still the same practice just hold its constant keep going keep going But there is one important difference with some kind of awakening, some kind of real deep insight is that um, I think of it less as a realization and more as a confirmation. And it's a confirmation of the practice. The practice works, the practice is good. It's the best alternative going. It's applicable in all situations. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. And to have that kind of confidence in the practice that you keep wanting to do it, I call dharmic confidence. That is a kind of confidence that also brings in and of itself a certain kind of well-being. Maybe when, even when things are really difficult, both internally and externally, It's a confidence that's always there that we rely on, take refuge in. That brings a kind of feeling of yes, the well-being of a yes. Yes, it's hard, but this I trust, this I have confidence in, to keep practicing, to keep showing up, to keep being mindful the next moment, the next moment. This is one of the great gifts that this practice has given me. Is that um, it's one of the things I probably trust the most in life is the practice of mindfulness. So many situations I've come into where I didn't know what to do, I didn't understand it. However, I could be mindful of it. I could be, I could be aware of myself, the situation, just very simply. And inevitably, in being mindful of the situation, it seemed like something worked out that I never could have imagined before. Maybe it's a little bit superstitious, maybe or something like that, to believe that way. But I do. I have this deep uh, trust in in, uh, the value and the power of this mindfulness practice. And one of the things that makes it inspiring for me and also helpful for me is that it's? I have to offer the mindfulness. I have to do the mindfulness in a sense. I, I just don't go to the movies and just don't pay any attention. I have to show up in a, with awareness. But after that, I'm not really the one who has to figure it out. I might have some thoughts. I might have some ideas. But when it's really going well, even the thoughts I have, the ideas I have of what to say and do, they come from a place inside, certainly mine in a sense, conventional sense, but I don't really identify it with me. I, don't, I can't quite take credit for it. And this idea that uh, it's not up to me, I, ta- I create the conditions. And then I trust what happens if the conditions, one of the conditions is I'm, I'm mindful for the situation. I'm, I'm show up for it. And sometimes it doesn't work out right away, but I trust that just continue to be mindful, present for it. So I've learned that part of this trust in the mindfulness is a trust in keep practicing, keep going. Just hold the course with the practice. One of the very important forms of confidence in the Dharma that we can have uh, involves a understanding something that's central, and that is the distinction between what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. So I'll try to explain this the best I can, but it's quite important because if you know that distinction, then part of the practice is to choose the wholesome And try to uh, say no, thank you to the old unwholesome. Don't pick it up. Don't stay involved in it. Bow to it and say, not today. And um, so the wholesome is rooted in three beautiful qualities of mind. And using the word beautiful is not my vocabulary. But that are the vocabulary of the Buddhist, the Theravadan Buddhist tradition that calls certain mind states beautiful. And these include these three roots for the wholesome, which are generosity, goodwill, and wisdom. The three roots for the unwholesome are the opposite of that. So, greed and clinging, ill will, hatred, and confusion, delusion. And if we're able to recognize the difference between those two, those two, wholesome and unwholesome, that can be kind of a game changer because that means we recognize what is unhealthy to do. Unwholesome means, uh, implies it's unhealthy. Unwholesome always uh, burns the person who has it. It's like a fire, if you hold the fire, you'll get burned by the fire or hold hot coals, you'll burn from the hot coals. If there's greed or clinging, in a certain kind of way, it adds stress to our system. A certain kind of way, it's, we're adding suffering to ourselves. In the language of ancient Buddhism, we are burning ourselves from the fire of, of, of craving, greed. If we hate, if we have a, a heart as of, of hostile and filled with ill will, it's possible we're hurting ourselves more than we're hurting the person who we have ill will for. And it's a little harder to see how this works with delusion and confusion, but there's a way in which delusion and confusion leads to behavior that often is self-harming and harming others. But the attempt here in this practice is to become a wise person. And here is the, what I think is one of the most wonderful definitions of a wise person. You don't have to go and get a PhD in Buddhist studies for this wisdom or read endless tomes of sutras and suttas and commentaries and sub-commentaries. This is, this is the wisdom of a wise person, a wise person. And Um, An unwise person, a wise person does not intend harm for oneself, harm for others, or harms for both self and other. A wise person considers what is beneficial for self, beneficial for others, beneficial for self and others, and beneficial for the whole world. To me, it's so inspiring. What a way to live a life. You don't have to even be a Buddhist without dedication. What Buddhism has to offer to that, living for the welfare of everyone, including oneself, is the role that unwholesome mind states and wholesome mind states have in what's afflictive, what causes harm, and what is beneficial. The Buddha is categorical, unequivocal, that if we act from unwholesome mind states, we cause more suffering. If we act from wholesome mind states, we create benefits, beneficial mind states, beneficial momentum into the future. This does not mean that now you have to be a saint and never have an unwholesome mind state ever again. What it means is that, yes, you might have all kinds of unwholesome states. You might have murderous rage. What it means is you don't act on it. yes, you might have great ideas of generosity to, your, to others. And if it doesn't harm self or others, then yes, you may act on it. And this ability to choose not what mind states we have, but what we act on is central to the Buddhist tradition. When the Buddha talked about going for refuge, we often talk about going for refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha. He also talked about going for refuge in our actions. They're so important. So what we the activities that we do, not the states that arise. And so to have confidence that there are wholesome beneficial healthy mind states or actions and unwholesome ones and then learn the art of not acting on the unwholesome ones and acting on the wholesome ones so i'll, I'll try to get to this in a different way now I, I the kind of for many people the fundamental purpose of the buddha's teachings is to end suffering What doesn't make a lot of sense is to suffer because of Buddhism. That's kind of like goes against the grain. So how do we practice in a way that doesn't add to the suffering? How do we practice so we don't compound the tendency to have unwholesome, unhelpful mind states? We practice with what we, the best of our ability, we think is wholesome. And luckily for us, one of the most wholesome things you can do is to be mindful of what's happening. If things are difficult, it's phenomenal just to be mindful of it. Provided the mindfulness is not mixed up in, mixed up with hostility or greed. If there are beautiful mind states, you don't have to act on it. But one of the wholesome things you can do is to be mindful of those wholesome states. So as we practice... What, we're, what, what we're, it's not just a matter of developing concentration or developing stronger mindfulness or having insight into our experience. You know, like we look the more deeply so I really see what's going on here. A big part of the practice <clears throat> is to discover, and I'm, I'm not necessarily easy, but to discover how to be mindful in a wholesome way how to have an attitude towards whatever difficulty or whatever blessing we have, to have an attitude towards it that's wholesome. So if you're a person who has a lot of hate, it can happen. It's not a crime to have it. The art then is not to hate the hate but to have a certain generosity or a certain goodwill, maybe not towards the hate, but maybe it doesn't, doesn't hurt, but maybe a goodwill and generosity to the fact that you have it. Oh, this is what's happening now. And so how do you hold that in an attention that has goodwill in it? How do you hold that experience with attention that has a generosity of spirit to it? Not one that it, indulges in it or participates in it but has kind of respectfully bowed to it and said no thank you bowing is a wholesome thing wholesome practice even if you imagine it in your head it's a beautiful thing to do and then one of the things that bowing is it's is that uh is that you don't quite merge with what you're bowing. In cultures where they hug, you kind of merge. That's kind of nice sometimes. In some cultures, you shake hands. But in Buddhist culture, you kind of bow in respect. You don't merge, but you honor the other person. You respect the other person. So if you have hate, bow to it and say, who knows why it's there? You don't know why it's there. Don't really know. Maybe it got planted. The seeds for hate were planted many decades ago in a time when it's the only, only way you could man- possibly manage to manage and survive. So you bow to it. And while you say bow to it, you say, no, thanks. I'm going to be aware of you, mindful of you, with goodwill and kindness. But I'm not going to act on, I'm not going to act, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to act as you wish me to act. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to leave you alone. Not going anywhere. If there's greed, same thing. No, thank you. But I will meet the greed, not with shame, not with self criticism, but rather with goodwill. With generosity, a generous heart. It's not easy to do this. But maybe that's why practice is so wonderful. Because we're working with difficult things to do. It's difficult, this practice. It's difficult not to succumb and give in to the forces of clinging and grasping and resistance and hostility and delusion that we have. And that's why we have a practice. And then dharma confidence is the confidence, just keep going, keep practicing. Yes, it's hard. It takes its time. But this is, this is a, tr- a true and right thing to do.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash/be here now today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com/slash/be here now.
1: It's right. It's good to be on a path where I, I, I'm trying not to live in the streams and the highways and byways of greed and hatred. I'm now attempting to live in the streams of wholesomeness. Not because I'm being kind of, you know, artificial or fake, you know, trying to make a, you know, live somehow in a, saccharine world of generosity and goodwill, but rather because as you, as you relax and settle in, goodwill and, and generosity are expressions of non-clinging, expressions of the heart that is free. So when we practice and we something happens like it's just so simple as like okay it's time to now focus on the breathing how you then bring your attention to the breathing is maybe more important than you are staying with the breath to come with a wholesome awareness wholesome mind state to encounter it wholesomely say it differently, maybe it's more, more practical. You can't always change your mind state. But as soon as you're acting, can you act with a good way? So you might, I might feel annoyed by someone. But if they open the door for me as I leave the building or something, you know, I think I can muster up saying thank you for them I don't have to then feel I don't have to feel like you know like now I like them or I have goodwill for them but I can say the words the next time I see them I still might feel that way but I could open the door for them the next time next time I see them I can say I can think I don't think I can stop having some resentment here, but you know, I think I can have the thoughts, the idea that this person probably has a family and they go home to a situation that maybe is difficult. And and I I wish this person well, but I'm gonna make that a private wish because our, our relationship is too complicated for me to manage anything more. But, you know, so in all those three circumstances, I'm generating an an action of goodwill. The first is speech. The second is with my body physically opening the door. And the third is with my thoughts. We do have some choice about what we think, what we say, and what we do you might not have a lot of choice about what mind state you have. But it makes a difference. So what you do, and so when, if what you're doing is bringing your attention to the breathing, if you bring that with greed, resistance, hatred, confusion, that will have a dramatically different effect on your meditation than if you bring generosity and goodwill and a kind of kind of dharmic confidence, wisdom. Oh, this is good. This is good that I'm coming with a wholesome mind state. One of the things that's kind of unhelpful and this un- unwholesome is striving straining to practice also what's unwholesome is being lazy complacent so where is that middle middle between that how can i meet be mindfulness of, of my breathing neither straining or lazy in such a way that there's a good feeling. It feels nice to connect, to be present, to apply my attention, or to allow my awareness to be open and receptive. So what I'm trying to point to that some point in the course of your meditation practice, maybe if you're a beginner, maybe it's ideal then, but some point along it. You want to start exploring, finding ways that how you apply your attention, or how you are attentive and aware, that are wholesome, that feel nourishing, feels beautiful, feels delightful. Even everything else about you is miserable. <laughs> And that makes a world of difference that you can do that. How we act influences the consequences, the course of what happens next. And if you don't take a little bit of choice in that matter, if you don't take the choice, then the unwholesome tendencies of the mind will choose for you. There are a lot of forces in our world that are trying to get our unwholesome tendencies activated and in charge. There's people who have paid billions of dollars to make advertisements that want to convince you that all kinds of things that you need to get and do. That probably tapping into people's conceit and tapping into people's greed and people's fear. And we respond kind of subconsciously to it, even. So if you don't choose, there are people being paid to try to get something to choose for you. If you don't choose, something else will choose. Some people will complain that choosing is a lot of work. They just want a spiritual practice that's no work at all. Some people don't want to choose because that means that I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) And I don't want to feel like there's anything wrong with me. I'm supposed to be, you know... I, want, I only like the only message I want to hear is that I'm perfect just the way that I am. That could be nice. But the practice is supposed to be realistic. The practice is supposed to be working with what's really going on here. And ideally, what we're trying to do is discover how to gently, peacefully, even effortlessly, Make the choices for actions which are healthy. The little acts, such a little act is how we bring our attention to the breathing. And once we start, and how how do we do that? How do we discover that? We just keep practicing. And every moment of practice, we get feedback. And slowly we discover what it's like to make this beautiful, effortless mindfulness. If you've ever, I don't know if any of you have ever taken up a, I don't know, developed a skill of some kind, right now I'm thinking about swimmers. And, you know, they do the same stroke for years, but slowly, 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 they're, they're almost like maybe imperceptibly and maybe even not so consciously sometimes their body is figuring out how to do it ever so slight adjustments where the, the, the turn of the hand, the lift of the elbow or something to be the most efficient way to swim. So, But you have to keep swimming to get that benefit of the body learning how to do this. With this practice that we're doing, we just have to do it. Maybe what we need is 10,000 moments of mindfulness before we have little you know, oh, um, understanding how to do this. It's things are shifting. And so just, and so to have confidence, Dharma confidence that this is worthwhile to do, you don't have to do it perfectly. All you have to do is to do it and do it and do it. And Let yourself learn, let the system learn, your mind and your body learn slowly how to do it in a wholesome way, choosing the wholesome that doesn't actually feel like work. Where perhaps you still think that, oh, I'm a lousy person in there, I have these terrible mind states, but boy, oh boy the way I make effort is pretty cool. The way I meet my practice and meet all that, that is good. And the shift of our identity shifts away from these inner mind states and the usual kind of identities that people have that are usually kind of fragile and shifts to it where the identity becomes the practice. And then if the practice, the Dharma. The Dharma becomes you. You become the Dharma in the actions you take. So I, and maybe I told you this recently, but <clears throat> the Buddha, when he was dying, he said, become an island to yourself. Become a refuge to yourself with no other refuge. Have the, have the dharma as your island. Have the dharma as your refuge with no other refuge. He said that in a continuous kind of statement. The only way, way those, he says, with no other refuge. The only way this makes sense, if you and the dharma are the same, Dharma isn't outside in the books. It's in you, in how you act, how you're finding your way of how to show up and be here. And then he went on in the same teaching. And how do you be a refuge to yourself? How do you have the dharma as your as the refuge? Practice mindfulness. It's to that enthusiasm value the buddha had in mindfulness that that uh, in the activity of mindfulness that's where you become your own refuge that's where you become the dharma but it's something we learn to do and then we do it we keep doing it and to have the dharmic dharma confidence that it's this is the best, maybe the best thing going. His finding is living the wholesome life, choosing what's wholesome, and saying no thank you to what's unwholesome. That doesn't mean you have to stop doing everything else. It just means that the, all the other things you do in your life, you now have a dedication that, in the middle of them, you're choosing to do them in the wholesome way, not the unwholesome way. And as this practice deepens and continues, what we discover is that the wholesome way is to have is to begin shedding anything and everything that has any characteristic or quality of clinging and grasping, of holding, of resisting. And begin, we begin shedding anything that is stressful in, in how we act, in the mind, in speech, and in body. And something inside of us can get quieter and stiller and softer and sweeter without the stress of unwholesome mind states. And rather than this dedication to the wholesome being a lot of work, it becomes like, fantastic, it's less and less work, just like, it's it's what's workless, it's what where there's no work in the end. And there's no movement for or against anything. There's no there's no way in which we're thrown off balance because it doesn't what happens in the world has nowhere to land. When we're off balance and things land on us, what it's usually landing in is something inside that's unwholesome. And so with not being for or against without there being this, any kind of strain or stress, our hearts has a chance to come to rest. Or I like to say, the heart comes home to itself. What a nice thing. Sometimes our hearts are not at home. I don't know where they go, but they're not home in themselves. Life's been too difficult for that. so dharma confidence one of the functions of it is to support stability constancy keep practicing in a, the you know the the tortoise won the race right be the tortoise just steady step after step stay in the flow stay in the practice moment after moment Don't be in a hurry. Hurry, the nature of hurry is that it always has greed in it, which is unwholesome. Doing things fast may or may not have greed in it. You can do things fast. After I was in the monastery for three years in monastery, I worked as a fast order cook. And there was no greed in working fast. It was fun. I just thought it was like dancing, you know? It was like swirling around on the grill and doing all these things. So we don't have to stop being fast if that's nice and appropriate, but hurry is always unwholesome. So we do a steady step-by-step, every step, every breath. Can this be the place where we meet reality in a wholesome way. And of course, we can't always do it. So then if you if you ended up with a wholesome response, the old way would be to shoot arrows at yourself. I'm the I'm a Buddhist failure, I'm a failure to Buddhism. I'm probably gonna take my card away from being a member of the club but there is no club so you can't we can't take your card away and also um we're always looking for the wholesome so if you have an if you have some unwholesomeness going on as soon as you get your bearings you ask yourself what's the wholesome thing to do here And if you're in doubt, there's a saying in Buddhism, when in doubt, bow. So if you don't know what to do, at least in your mind's eye, you know, imagine, bow. Or if you, it, sometimes it's helpful actually to do it. I don't know what to do, but at least I can bow. Offer respect to all this. And then this Dharma confidence, just keep going. The confidence comes with practice. it's comes with experience. It comes as we get familiar with how this, how this works. And there's not necessarily you have to believe me or understand necessarily because I taught this today that now you can understand. But you will understand. I'm confident you will. Over time, as you keep practicing in all kinds of circumstances, it'll become clear and clear. You'll understand yourself better and better. You'll, You'll be able to smell and see the first early warning signs of stress, of suffering, of clinging and ill will beginning to show itself. And you'll become wise at how not to harm yourself how instead to do what's beneficial. That's what a wise person is, someone who knows the difference between what's harmful and what's beneficial. It isn't someone who can recite by heart all 12 links of dependent Origination and the 36 wings of enlightenment and the 108 blessings. all 311 rules for the nuns. That's not what it's about. It's about what's seeing clearly in the moment, this is harmful, this is afflictive, this is beneficial. And whenever you have a choice, choose the beneficial. And with that confidence, maybe there comes a contentment that you're on a good path. You're on maybe the path, maybe the only path that maybe makes sense for you, because this is the, this is, Buddha said, the direct path to living a free life, living a life that's not caught in the unwholesome. Step by step, quietly, peacefully, showing up, seeing what's here discovering how to meet what's here, how to see clearly what's here, how not to avoid, how not to turn away, how not to attack, but to see wisely, clearly, wholesomely. This is what's happening. And one of the most wholesome things you can do is to be mindful. Simple, simple, simple mindfulness. Perhaps the simpler it can be, the more wholesome it is. So, three conditions that we cultivate we cultivate stability well-being and dharmic confidence. And these become the platform or the foundation for insight, which will be the topic tomorrow. So please, be a wise person, take good care of yourself. Take good care of yourself as you practice, as you go through the day, as you meet the next moment. And if you can practice at the speed of mindfulness of the body, you probably have a better chance of navigating the wholesome and the unwholesome. May you have confidence in this path of practice. Thank you.